Hey, welcome. It is uh, eight minutes after the hour, and uh, we've got a full boat in here. Larry Wayland is in from Modern Arms. At the Brown Station location. Good you morning, Gary. You darn well betcha. Joe Gilbert is on board from Action Tactical. Good morning. Good morning. And you're doing something different now. You're doing individual family classes and individual classes? I am. I thought you were talking about Pet and Rocco. But, yeah, we're... Um, we're uh, doing uh, a lot of private events now with, with families that don't have the time, don't have the ability to, to schedule everything for a long class, then, uh, then we're doing some private work. So that's our push right now through the end of the season is, uh, you know, is to get everybody uh, up to speed, trained, understand the risk involved in home invasions and thefts during the holiday periods. Good idea. By the way, I don't care how much you pet him, the dog comes home with me. Yeah. Rocco is mine. He's mine, got more mine, guns mine, in there. Yeah, he's, he's a rock star, though. I mean, Rocco is the best. Hey, we're not alone. Cherie Tolson Reich is with us, and uh, good morning to you. I know good you're morning, Gary. Second Glad Amendment supporter. Yes, absolutely. And you're running for re-election. We need uh, we need you to win re-election. Absolutely, need... November 2020. Yeah. Um, and, in fact, uh, you've got a fundraiser coming up, don't you? Absolutely. I'm uh, kicking off on uh, Tuesday, November 12th at the Hallsville Community Center. Everyone's welcome. We're going to feed you pulled pork and uh, have lots of fun and some auctions. And CMMG um, has uh, graciously donated a AR to um, give away. Nice. Wow. Very nice. No purchase Gotta necessary. That's good. And you can't keep the dog either. Rocco. No. So, Rocco, I'm petting Rocco here. And uh, I'm wondering, uh, can I bring my dog Marcus Barkus, the Barkinator, next time? Yes, he, Marcus Barkus. Does he take it. anybody's leg off? or you know? No, he, he is a pit bull, but he's really just a sweetheart. Um, yeah, we, we call him Sir Barks a lot. <laughs> well, you know, the interesting thing, everybody hates pit bulls. They're always terrified of pit bulls. But it really depends on the owner. Uh, even it's like Gold being afraid of an AR-15. Isn't it, though? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's good. Um, yeah, they get a bad rep. Even You could even train uh, a, a dog like uh, Rocco, who's really gentle, uh, to be a vicious dog. And by the same token, you can take uh, a, a dog like yours and be the sweetest thing he is. He, yeah. he will just bark his head off at you, but, um, but you know, we he's can't a have, great dog. Can't have barking here. Oh, that's right. We're on radio. Yeah. Okay, that won't work. work. Okay. We're, all, we're also on camera. You can go to uh, Gary on Guns on Facebook, see what's going on inside the studio. Did you, did you bring any firearms? Oh, yeah, I brought a whole sack of guns. whole sack of guns? Yeah. Wow. Oh, well, we'll be playing with those in the next hour. <laughs> in the meantime, uh, they are trying to uh, push red flag laws. Uh, it appears that even the president seems somewhat inclined to go in that direction. Uh, but uh, I think most of us agree red flag laws probably don't work. And, Bad law. And, yeah, and, and actually harm uh, innocent people. Uh, Dr. John Lott, who's been a guest on this show, he's been a guest on my weekday show. I've known him for about 20 years. Great guy. He just knows these laws inside and out. And uh, he was testifying about red flag laws and universal background checks in front of the Utah Law Enforcement and Criminal Justice uh, Interim Committee. Uh, Joint House and Senate Committee on uh, Red Flag Laws. And we have that audio. Uh, and I thought we would play that and then uh, kind of kick it around and talk about it. Uh, so this is uh, Dr. John Lott on Red Flag Laws. Uh, well, thank you very much. It's an honor to be here, and I appreciate the committee's time. So I was asked to uh, go and make comments about Red Flag Laws and Universal Background Checks. There are 17 states now that have uh, red flag laws. But before I kind of get into the red flag laws, I'd kind of like to go through what's already pre-existing in Utah and, in fact, across the nation. 
And there's civil commitment laws where if somebody's deemed to be a danger to themselves or others, there's a process by which uh, different levels of responses can be made. Uh, in Utah, uh, two court-appointed mental health care experts are uh, asked to examine the individual, and evaluations are done extremely quickly. Uh, based on uh, simply a reasonableness test, the individual can be uh, identified as somebody that needs to be uh, studied. If the person is unable to go and uh, pay for legal counsel themselves, a uh, public defender is provided for them by the court. Uh, and if the individual is deemed to be uh, a danger to themselves or others, they can be involuntarily committed. But there are less extreme actions that can be taken. Uh, anything from uh, asking the person to go and voluntarily go and seek counseling where there can be follow-up then by the court or even asking the individual to uh, relinquish their guns. And if they don't, then there can be things like involuntary commitment that can be followed up after that. Um, now, just to compare the proposed red flag laws to what's already uh, in existence, if, while red flag laws are often talked about in terms of mental illness, if you actually read the 17 state red flag laws or the ones that have been proposed at the federal level, only one state's law actually even mentions the term mental illness. Uh, there's no requirement that mental health care experts be involved in the evaluation process at all. Uh, and if the individual is unable to go and provide for legal counsel, uh, none of the states uh, provide uh, legal counsel to go and represent the person. And in fact, it looks as if uh, the vast majority of people who go through and have hearings are not represented by legal counsel at that time. And it's pretty obvious why that's the case. And that is, you may be talking about $10,000 or so for uh, a hearing in terms of legal costs. And the only real uh, loss that the individual faces is losing their ability to go and have a gun. And so the question is, is it really, I may like to have guns, but is it really worth $10,000 for me to be able to go and keep that right? And apparently most people don't think that that's worth the cost. There's also a relatively long period compared to uh, the involuntary commitment statutes that we were talking about before between uh, when an action is taken, such as taking away a person's guns or warrant is issued there, and when there is actually a formal hearing. Depending upon the state, it can be any place from two weeks to a month uh, in the amount of time. So there are two basic reasons why red flags are used. One, and in fact, most of the cases involve concerns about suicide, though, as I mentioned, it's ironic that uh, none of these states actually require mental health care experts be involved in the process. But the second one is whether or not you think somebody might commit a crime. And uh, when I was involved with the State Uniform Law Commission, which was for some period of time involved in trying to put together a model, uh, a red flag or extreme risk protection order law, uh, we had people from states like uh, Connecticut and Indiana, which have had these laws for a while. And the question came up, what do you look for in order to try to predict whether somebody is going to be committing a criminal act? And the three factors that were mentioned in these discussions were one, the individual's criminal history, their gender, and their age. 
With regard to criminal history, there are already laws on the books that deal with whether or not uh, somebody's criminal history prohibits them from owning a gun. So, for example, if you are a felon, even if it's a nonviolent felony, you're prohibited for life from being able to go and own a gun. Uh, there are misdemeanors under federal law, and it depends on the state what types of misdemeanors can prohibit you for varying periods of time from being able to own a gun. The issue is, why isn't that sufficient, or why shouldn't you change those laws if you're concerned about whether criminal history is there? Um, and in the discussions, what would come up is that, well, uh, you should be able to take away somebody's guns if they've been arrested but not convicted, or if they've had a complaint but not an arrest. And the problem with that is none of these states actually make that explicit. And the reason why they don't make that explicit, I believe, is because they believe that if they made it explicit, the courts would strike it down because the courts have found one's ability to go and defend themselves as a fundamental right, and you're not allowed to lose a fundamental right without some type of adjudication that would be occurring. And so these provisions and the laws are made purposely vague so as to try to make it so that it'd be less likely they would be challenged in court at a later time. The other two issues with regard to gender and age uh, when you listen to these discussions, it would be, well, uh, males are more likely to go and commit crimes than females are, so it should be taken into account for whether or not guns should be taken from them. Age, older people are more likely to commit suicide than middle-aged people, for example, so that should be taken into account. Or young people might be more likely to go and commit crimes. One can only imagine how something like this could be morphed or abused in some way. So, for example, I forbid at some point somebody could say, well, blacks commit crimes at relatively higher rates than whites do. So courts should try to take something like that into account. One could imagine how horrible that would be if something like that were to happen. But if you're merely looking at broad generalizations of whether males or females are more likely to go and commit crimes or people based on their age, that seems just as unreasonable to some extent is going and looking at other identifiable characteristics and one would have to be concerned about abuses that could occur and one would want to hope that if such a law was passed, anti-discrimination provisions would be included in the laws to make sure that just because you think some category or group of people might be more likely to go and commit crime, that the laws could not be used to go and make those types of broad generalizations that could occur. Uh, if you just turn the radio on. Uh, when you're dealing with. Uh, uh, We're uh, being interrupted by Dr. John Lott. Actually, uh, this is testimony he gave on red flag laws, uh, universal background checks before the Utah Law Enforcement and Criminal Justice uh, Interim Committee, uh, Joint House and Senate Committee, uh, and uh, the red, red flag laws. You know, it's interesting. He pointed out earlier uh, in his uh, opening remarks that there are many laws already in place in states around the country, in almost every state, that deal with people who have mental problems. Uh, and so the red flag law is not just redundant in the respect that it goes after people, uh, you know, looks for people who have problems, but that it circumvents, uh, you know, the the whole process. It's it's just well, walk it, in and it, take it, your guns. Yeah, it, 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 it circumvents the, the due process for sure. Right. But the, the laws that are in place already... Um, the the protective orders, a judge sees it first in, instead of 
just having to react to a phone call, you know, yeah. to a report. The red flag laws are designed so they have to react instantly to a report, come and take your guns away, and then you're fighting in court for years and, and, and years trying to get your guns back, proving yourself innocent, which is not what our whole Constitution is based on. We have the presumption of innocence, and the red flag laws fly in the face of that. You know, Joe, in addition to uh, teaching firearms safety and, and how to respond, uh, you also uh, have been, uh, uh, you know, at the retail end of firearms. When somebody comes in, uh, it, 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 and I know from experience, when I used to attend bars, somebody would come in the bar and I would go, nah, no, nah, I don't want this guy in here. This is going to be a problem. Do you get that sense when somebody walks into uh, to your store uh, and say to yourself, no, nah, I don't want to sell this guy a gun? Oh, all the time. At, yeah. least, at least a couple times a month. And yeah. we've had some of them get very angry. We actually had one that was a, um, and I don't know what the definition of it is, but a a low functioning person able yeah. to live by themselves, but you know, with some outside supervision, yeah. uh, wanted to purchase so, a gun, and we refused to sell her the gun, and uh, and she was really angry. But, somebody in the spectrum, for instance, right, right, yeah, yeah. We offered free well, classes, and, and that's a judgment call, and yeah. and the retailers have the discretion to do that. We don't. I mean, we're not compelled to sell. To, you know, to do enter in a transaction that we're uncomfortable with, and all of our staffs are, are equipped with the that decision making power to to drop, you know, to to end that as a non sale at any time. If you know a customer isn't in that, it, it has it gives you signals that they're not looking for a, a gun for legitimate purposes, or that they're just not all there. And yeah. I, again, I don't know the politically correct term to use for that, but. You can yeah. tell when you're talking to somebody right. whether I, or not everybody's home, you know? I and mean, I uh, know, and I know <laughs> you don't want the headline tomorrow to be purchase this firearm from right. your store. Oh, exactly. Uh, so it, it does happen, and they do care at the retail end. Uh, more of Dr. John Lott, Red Flag Laws, on Gary on Guns, 93.9 Eagle. It is 26 minutes after the hour. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. Uh, we've got uh, Larry Whalen in from Modern Arms. At the Brown Station location. Oh, yeah. And then uh, Joe Gilbert is on board. Action Tactical. Yes. Yes. You, you see, you got to come up with some clever follow-up. Like I need Brian to help me with that. Uh, I don't have a rifle raffle or a location. Oh, I do have a rifle raffle. Oh. And a Brown Station location. I got it all, man. <laughs> I, got it, I got it all. He's wound up. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm a traveling oh. sideshow, and we got Sheree. I'm at the Hallsville, Columbia, and Jeff City locations. Okay. We're so glad you're with us, Sheree. I love that. Sheree Colson Reich with us with the rifle raffle. Rifle raffle. We are raising money for the food bank of central and northeast Missouri. We're giving away a uh, beautiful LWRC AR-15 with loophole optic, uh, their new red dot motion-sensitive optic, four magazines, and a soft carry case, about a $2,200 prize pack. Tickets are $20, and for a $100 donation to the food bank, you get eight entries. We're going to draw this on the air on December 7th. Gary, we're going to have you do the drawing. Okay. And, um, it's going to be so embarrassing when I win. Tickets are available at Modern Arms at the Brown Station location. So and that'll actually be on camera. Cause we yeah, help, yeah. The, uh, yeah, help the food bank so, and have a chance to win a really nice AR-15. You see me hovering over that basket of... Uh, of uh, uh, applicants uh, and tickets reading. trying to pre-read. Yes. Yeah, we'll blindfold. Try, trying to get mine out there yeah. on top. Uh, but anyway, we'll do that. Uh, we've been listening to uh, Dr. John Lott, his testimony on red flag laws. And because we've got Cherie Tolson Reich on the program with us this morning, I want to know if you're aware of uh, any uh, red flag law uh, legislation being introduced uh, in the near future or 
Well, there's a couple of things going on. During our special session in September, uh, the Democrats tried to uh, file some bills, uh, which, which of course, we, we didn't take up. Um, and it was in response to a lot of the gun violence going on in the St. Louis area. But uh, those are not going to go anywhere as long as we keep the supermajority uh, in the House and Senate. In fact, uh, some of the discussion is whether to expand, uh, like, campus carry laws. And, uh, you know, I think we need to follow our Constitution, and, and it is our right to carry. Well, and we've got plenty of laws. We've got plenty of laws. We just need to dedicate the, the resources to law enforcement to enforce our existing set of laws. You know what happens when they, when they start putting these extra laws in? Uh, it is what law enforcement calls stacking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so you violated the law by shooting somebody. But because it was a gun, there's an extra punishment. And because it was uh, in this location, there's another punishment. And, because, and, and so they stack these things one on top of another. And the danger of that is um, a prosecutor can blackmail somebody into pleading guilty. You yeah. know, if we find you guilty of this, it's the electric chair. But if you plead guilty to that, you know, you're going to get uh, five years and you'll be on your way. And that sort of thing scares me. And I see that, um, you know, that way they can do plea bargain and maybe drop one or two of the charges, but try to get them to plea out on at least one. The stacking thing is, is, uh, it bothers me. Find somebody guilty or not guilty of a crime. Yes. Uh, Not all the steps involved Mm -hmm. in making it a crime. Um, 874-9390, the toll-free number is 800-529-5572. Uh, in about a minute or so, we're going to get you up to date with what's going on around town and around the world. And then we're going to go back and listen to Dr. John Lott as he explains uh, the, uh, I was going to say the ins and outs of the red flag law, but there are no ins. There just doesn't seem to be anything about them uh, that is either effective at saving lives or uh, judicially prudent, I would argue. Uh, or, or constitutional. Well, I think that was sort of the implication. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> you know, it gets harder let's and harder. Let's not forget the Constitution. <laughs> it gets harder and harder to work with Wayland, you know? <laughs> Maybe next week, Joe, you and Sheree come in. And then... Oh, man. At least my microphone's not been turned off, but not today. Yeah. Yeah, it's the keyword. Back with Dr. John Lott. I'm Gary on Guns, 93.9 Eagle. Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. It is 36 minutes after the hour. Sheree tolson Reich is on board with us this morning. And uh, a real str- strong Second Amendment supporter. Uh, one of my favorite uh, uh, legislators. In fact, my favorite legislator because she helped me get my uh, my money back from the uh, state of Missouri. When, when you, you have any problems with the state of Missouri, contact me on, on any department, any oh, reason. Can I get you on Twitter? <laughs> no, no, I don't have Twitter anymore just, because that federal lawsuit, you know. You got to call me the old-fashioned way, either email, phone, or in face-to-face. But you always answer, so. <laughs> always. There's no problem there. Joe Gilbert on board from Action Tactical. Yes, good morning. Good morning. And uh, Larry Whalen is on board from uh, Modern Arms. At the Brown Station location. Now, you guys are both involved to a certain extent. Joe, in uh, in, in, in uh Probably to a, a deeper extent. A, a much greater extent, yes. But Thank still, you, Joe. <laughs> but you guys are both involved in this. You've yeah. got these flyers up at your store. Uh, and uh, we're talking about these red flag laws. Uh, tell me about this uh, program that you're involved in. Well, it's called the Safer Home Collaborative. And our mission is to train people to recognize signs that you know may lead to violence or suicide in particular with a firearm. And so the whole goal is... If we get enough people trained, we don't need red flag laws. The, the, that, that's a major 
uh, key point of our of our um, uh, operation is this has nothing to do with legislative legislative uh, intent. Right. No, you know, no um, lobbying anything. We just want people to say, hey. You're drinking a little bit more than usual. I think you're going through a tough time. Why don't you let me keep your guns until this passes? Or, yeah. you know, going through a divorce is horrible. You know, I care about you. Let's keep your guns. Taking care of people. Right. <laughs> Being tuned in, taking care of people. And, you know, it doesn't have to be uh, attempted to be worked out in, in the legislative action. Exactly. It's, it's people taking care of people. And that's what the initiative is about, is equipping people with the skill set to recognize and be willing to go ahead and have that awkward conversation you know, because that, that's it's, it's personal. It, it could be taken offensively. Step, walk out there and ask. Hey, you yeah. know, if you're having a rough time, let's let's find you some help. And, and, it, and it doesn't equip you to be a counselor. It just gives you a chance to have that conversation and give people some tools to uh, to help themselves. So so many times, anti gunners say that part of uh, that, that firearms are the problem with suicide. If if suicide and guns were tied together. America would have the highest suicide rate of anywhere on the planet because we got a lot of guns. It's a mental health issue, and it can be addressed without new legislation. We don't need red flag laws. I don't disagree. Neither does Dr. John Lott. Uh, here's more of his testimony on red flag laws uh, in front of the Utah Law Enforcement and Criminal Justice uh, Interim Committee, uh, the Joint House and Senate. Uh, it's Dr. John Lott's testimony. Uh, suicides, um, the main claim with regard to red flag laws is that uh, guns are particularly quote-unquote successful way to go and commit suicides. Uh, in fact, that's not really the case. There's lots of ways that people go and commit suicide that are very similar in terms of success rates uh, to it. And I just have some data from Los Angeles County here. You can see things from shotgun uh, to the head, which is very rare just because most people's arms aren't long enough to be able to go and do that. Cyanide, uh, the success rate is over 97%. Uh, gunshot to the head is 97% successful. Explosives, over 96% successful. Hit by a train or a semi-truck, you're talking about over 96% successful. Jump from a height, hanging is about 90% successful. So the notion is if you're actually concerned about somebody committing suicide, Simply saying that we're going to go and take away the individual's gun is not a very serious way of going and dealing with that threat, given that there's so many different ways for somebody to go and commit suicide. And, uh, and um, one need only ask Jeffrey Epstein, I guess, about whether or not uh, those other methods are successful. I'm going to, I could go through this, but it's in my testimony uh, about the rates that they've been used in other states. Uh, but I want to briefly just talk about how these laws can backfire so and how they can damage trust with individuals. I'll just give you an example for somebody who's very close to me. Uh, her husband uh, was murdered in front of her, and uh, obviously, as any normal person would be, afterwards she was extremely depressed. Uh, in fact, she was worried that going even talking to a psychiatrist and psychologist uh, would result in her gun being taken away. The person who killed her husband uh, was a stalker, and she was very concerned about her safety at that point. But the problem that you face is that uh, with red flag laws is if you go and talk to a friend or a relative or a neighbor and go and talk about how depressed you are, even a well-meaning person might say she has a gun, 
she's very depressed, maybe we should take away her weapon. But in that case, that would cause her not to be willing to go and talk to other people. And one can only imagine the problems that are created if you're unwilling to go and share your feelings with people because it could result in, in her case because of her concern about a stalker, her inability to go and protect herself. I'll give you one other example that's related, and that is police. Police are depressed at relatively high rates compared to the rest of the population. They also tend to be more likely to be suicidal than the general population. But if a police officer has his gun taken away, it basically is going to mean taking away his job. And so do we really want police officers to be afraid to go and share their feelings with others? What type of implications does that have for depression if people are unwilling or, or feel they're unable to go and share their feelings with other individuals? You know, people understand this with regard to things like AIDS. You know, when AIDS was uh, uh, initially being brought up as a concern, uh, there was this issue about whether we should have a list of people who have AIDS in order to try to control the spread of AIDS that might occur. But people understood fairly quickly that if you had some type of thing like that, that would make it difficult or less likely that people would come forward for treatment or for uh, being tested. And so that type of thing was rejected, uh, fortunately. But the same type of argument that applies to something like AIDS applies to issues dealing with mental illness. Uh, work that's been done by uh, Carl Moody and myself, Carl Moody's a professor at uh, William and Mary University an economics and statistics professor, have looked at the states that have had these laws up and up through 2016, and we find no beneficial effect on murder, suicide, any other type of uh, violent crime, or the number or of mass public shootings or the uh, death rate from them. Okay, I want to talk briefly about uh, universal background checks. Everybody wants to stop a dangerous or prohibited person from being able to go and get a gun. The notion of universal background checks is to have background checks on the private transfers of guns. The current background check system is a mess and it primarily discriminates against minorities. Um, and so let me just give you a couple examples. The typical claim that we hear is that there are three and a half million dangerous prohibited people that have been stopped from having guns because of background checks. That's simply false. What people should say is that there have been three and a half million initial denials and that virtually all of those are false positives, something around 99% of those. If you go and you look at the last full annual report that was put out for the NIC system in 2010, there were 76,000 initial denials only 44 cases were referred for prosecution. 28 prosecutions occurred and there were 13 convictions. Well, why only 44 cases out of 76,000 uh, denials? Uh, there's some uh, um, prosecutions that occur at the state level, but they tend to be just as rare. And the reason is if you go and you look at quotes from people like Reagan Dunn, uh, who was the first uh, director of Project Safe Neighborhoods under W.H. Uh, Bush, uh, or George W. Bush. Um, uh, 
who they, he was basically in charge of enforcing the different federal gun control laws, he would say he would love to go after and prosecute these cases, but they simply weren't real cases. I know it's been kind of uh, a way for Republicans to attack Obama or Clinton, saying, look, they're not enforcing the gun laws, but Bush was attacked for, by Democrats for the same thing. But it's one thing to go and prosecute a felon who legally tried to buy a gun. It's another thing to stop somebody simply because they have a name similar to a felon from trying to buy a gun. And there's a reason why there are these mistakes. When you go and fill out your 4473 to go and buy a gun, you put down your name, your your social security number, your address, your birthday, your race, your eye color, and you think they're using all that information. What they use is roughly phonetically similar names and similar birthdays. And it creates a lot of mistakes in, in the process there. And what happens is, is that those mistakes tend to be most likely involving minorities. People tend to have names similar to others in their racial groups. Hispanics have names similar to other Hispanics. Blacks have names similar to other blacks. 33% of black males are legally prohibited from owning a gun because of past felony records. Whose names are their names most likely to be confused with? Other law-abiding black males. There's no reason why the federal government should be making these mistakes. Private companies do criminal background checks on employees all the time. If they had an error rate that was 100th, the error rate that the federal government has under federal law, those companies would be sued out of existence. Could you imagine private companies doing criminal background checks on employees where they look at roughly phonetically similar names? I mean, it would be outrageous in terms of the implications it would have for racial discrimination that would be occurring in terms of jobs if we allowed companies to do it. The question is, why should the federal government, why shouldn't the federal government have to do criminal background checks in the exact same way that the federal government mandates that private companies have to go and do that. The other issue is the cost. So in many places like Washington, D.C. or New York, you're talking about at least $125 to go and do a background check. In other places like Oregon, it can be $55. That may not stop you or I from being able to go and get a gun. But my research indicates this basically poor flags, the people who are most likely to be victims of violent crime who benefit the most from being able to own a gun to protect themselves and their loved ones. $125 may make the difference between whether they're legally able to go and afford a gun to protect themselves and their families. Um, some pretty interesting data there. Don't, would you guys agree? Yes. Stunning. Um, the number of... Uh, the And I've always argued the Knicks check is a waste. I mean, it's a complete waste. Well, it's offensive knew? that they only use ten uh, percent of the information that's provided. I mean, you, you, we 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 enter all of that information mm -hmm. into, into the Knicks Operations Center, and to understand now that they they're using you know a roughly phonetic sounding name instead of you know date of birth and social. That's that's the social's optional, but date of birth is required. I mean, that's gonna. And, and what was it that triggered the last change on the forty four seventy three? There's some event happened. A marijuana. It, it wasn't the marijuana, but they require us now before you could complete forty four seventy to to actually check a box to verify the driver's license verify. address was the same. Yeah. But if they're not, if they don't care about, you know, the name being correct, what does this matter? Yeah. I mean, it, it's all feel good. Yeah, there has to be an agenda. So it, so much of of gun law is feel good, right? It's theater, you know. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's it's all security theater. Yeah. And then what about the suicide rates? Because I've heard this argument from the anti gunners that uh, you know when when people use a gun uh, to commit suicide, uh, it's highly effective. 
Well, yeah, so stepping in front of a moving tractor trailer, jumping off a bridge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, every one of those uh, examples that he gave mm -hmm. uh, was between 97 and 99% effective. Now, they are, those methods are much more effective, and we don't like to use the word successful, um, like Dr. Lott was using, but yeah. um, they're completed more often with a firearm or jumping off a bridge, but they are attempted way, way more often through drugs and uh, other means. Yeah. Um, the, the reason we work so hard is to, to provide space with the Safer Homes Collaborative is, is because the temptation to kill yourself typically doesn't last very long. That strong desire is a fleeting desire. And if we can save them, if we could put 15 minutes between yeah. the thought and them accessing it, you know, even something as it sounds silly, you know, take the keys to the safe and put them in an ice cube and, yeah. and freeze them. By the time <laughs> they get that thing out of there, they may go, God, I don't want to do this after all. Yeah. Well, there is a... Uh, uh, testimony from people who have uh, tried to commit suicide by, for instance, jumping uh, off a high distance, and they survived. And their testimony says that the moment they let go, the moment they leapt into the air, they regretted their decision. So there's a lot to be said about yes. what you're pointing out. Right. All right, more Gary on Guns coming up. Zimmer Radio Network. Hey, welcome. It is 55 minutes after the hour in the studio. Cherie Tolson Reich, and uh, she's got a, a fundraiser that's uh, going to be what? Tuesday, huh? November 12th. Tuesday, November 12th. Hallsville Community Center. 530. Uh, we need Second Amendment supporters in the state legislature because the left is, is relentless. You know, it amazes me that the city of St. Louis wanted to uh, try to pass a law to uh, register guns. You really think criminals are going to go into City Hall and register their guns? Oh, yeah. I, you know, I'm about to rob a bank. Let me get a gun here and register it. <laughs> Naive, feel-good legislation. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it's going to happen. Uh, Larry Whalen is on board from Modern Arms. At the Brown Station location. Brought in four trick firearms. Beautiful little rimfire. It's, it's a rimfire extravaganza, I guess. Everything's and, uh, one, rimfire today. One little revolver that would uh, fit in your shirt pocket. Yeah, the North American Arms. I love those little things. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. Joe Gilbert is on board from Action Tactical, uh, teaching uh, really some pretty in-depth classes on how to defend yourself. Uh, your background is uh, pretty solid in this uh, in this area. It is. I um, spent about a decade and a half working surveillance and defending claims against uh, businesses, trucking companies, working with attorneys uh, to defend civil liability lawsuits. So I had a lot of experience defending tort uh, cases, and that's one of the things that we're pushing right now is uh, is helping businesses understand the liability. Uh, the doc uh, doctrine in uh, in tort laws, respondent superior, basically says that the employer is responsible for anything the employees do. So if you suffer workplace violence, you know the average cost to defend, the average cost defending the awards and everything is is close to two million dollars now wow. for a business. Whoa. So that's pretty steep. Yeah. Sounds like my lawsuit. Two million dollars. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So now, but you've got a, a pretty extensive firearms background as well. Uh, right. With regard to training. Yeah, I spent uh, I spend a good bit of time each year and travel and train with, you know, really the world's best trainers. So uh, John Farnham, he's kind of the at the pinnacle. I'm one of his staff instructors. Uh, Mass Ayub, uh, Tom Givens, the, you know, all the top tier guys I, I spend time with every year. So um, if uh, anybody is interested, uh, Action Tactical, the, the website is actiontac.com, actiontac.com. If you don't have time for classes uh, or you just want your family trained or, you know, a couple of co-workers and yourself, uh, you'll do that. 
Yeah, I will. Private CCW, whatever, whatever you need, um, we'll we'll do do something to to help you. We'll figure it out. We'll do what serves you best. Can't go wrong with that. And then uh, over at Modern Arms, the Brown Station location. You notice that I now know to pause. I yes. never, I what? never just roll right into a sentence. Over at Modern Arms, they've got a you know a, rifle raffle. Yeah. yeah, they've got a rifle raffle, uh, and. Uh, <laughs> Let me see that. <laughs> for the food bank. <laughs> yeah, we're raising money for the uh, Food Bank of Central Northeast Missouri. Uh, it's a great cause. They use the money really well. It, it's a private organization. It's not government, and uh, it's the way charity should be done. We are raffling off a beautiful LWRC AR-15 equipped with a loophole red dot optic, four magazines, and a nylon carry case. About a $2,200 prize pack. Tickets are $20, and for a $100 donation to the food bank, you get eight entries. We're going to draw that live on the air on December 7th. Gary, you're going to do the drawing, and um, we will uh, raise a lot of money and give it to the food bank. That, uh, that Win, win, win. Oh, you're not kidding. Yeah. Uh, I'm always impressed by the generosity of people in central Missouri. Uh, we do a fundraiser ourselves here at uh, Zimmer Radio for the food bank every winter. Uh, and I'm always amazed at how the how the uh, the people could come together and and make their donations. Uh, but in this case, you can not only make a donation, but you might walk away with well, uh, a nice really. little enticement to make that donation. So yeah. yeah, we're we're happy to to get raise a little money for the food bank. Um, rifle raffle. Even if you don't play, it's fun to say. Yeah, rifle raffle. So you brought in four firearms. The smallest one that I'm looking at. Who makes that? That is North American Arms. So North American is is a a great high quality. Uh, Arms manufacturer. This is their mini revolver in uh, uh, twenty-two go. Magnum. Uh, what? We're not going to go into the gun. Well, we're going to. Well, you got to tell me not to go into the gun. Well, I will go this. right into the gun. Come yeah. on. We're going to do this. <laughs> it's so small. Where are we going? Are we going into the gun? Are we going into the gun? I can go into the details on the gun if you want. Somebody call Garson. I'd, <laughs> rather, the I'd rather work with Garson this morning. <laughs> I think your hands are too big for that small, and that's more of one for a woman's smaller hands. Little little, little woman like me. I yeah. love them. Yeah, those things little are woman great. Like you. Yes. Little woman like me. Like you. Well, I mean, I I, I shoot that gun. I, I like this thing. Yeah, those are those are. Perfect Christmas gifts for your boss. Yes. That's almost a, that's almost a stocking stuffer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Every uh, your producer needs one of those. You should buy one for the staff here. I don't want him armed. Yeah, you, yeah, you do. No, no, he, I don't. He, he's got the door. Come on, you want him? You want him covering your back? Oh, no, that's what I'm afraid of. <laughs> they have to go through Brian to get in here. All right, we'll talk about these firearms and a whole bunch more and carry on guns on the Zimmer Radio Network.